Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, certified life coach, and I am on a mission to liberate people to their authentic power and ideal self-expression. So what's a people pleaser? Well, those of us who are people pleasers are usually very loving and kind. We're empathetic. We also tend to prioritize other people's needs over our own, which leaves us feeling not seen and not heard. We're great at anticipating the needs of others and often put ourselves in second place. We're great doers and nurturers, and we often have the role of keeping the peace, whether it's in our families or in the workplace. Well, the first thing I wanna share with you is that there's nothing wrong with you. But we do wanna take some of these qualities of people pleasing that we focus so much on other people and turn them on to ourselves first, which turns them into our superpower. To find out more, listen to this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm certified life coach Brenda Florida and I'm so thrilled that you're here for another installment in our five podcast series all around my method I call the Solve It Method. This is a four-part method that I've used with clients and myself for the last several years and I find that it will solve any problem. It gives us sort of the opening, the gateway to see where something that's not working in our lives, something we might describe as a problem, find the ways that we can resolve it, improve it, fix it, whatever word you want to use, get back in alignment is the way I like to think about it. So when we have a problem, quote unquote, in our lives, something from another person, you know, something's happening in a relationship and something with another person, whether that's personal or work-related or whatever it is. And we need to find those ways that we can sort of break it down and find out what's the real issue, right? Not the surface problem. I'm mad at my partner for this. I'm mad at a coworker because of that. Okay. Like what that great, that's the surface. That's would be like, Fixing that would be the equivalent of putting a Band-Aid, you know, on something. But underneath that is always something else. Underneath that is something greater that has been triggered in your subconscious. So that part of your mind that is all sorts of habits and patterns and ways of doing and being in the world that happen automatically. We don't think about it. So a super simple example of this is brushing your teeth. You have now brushed your teeth so many times that you don't look at your toothbrush and wonder what in the world to do with that today, right? (laughs) You know exactly what to do. You do it without thinking. Driving is another great example. So there was a time that that was awkward. There was a time when you were a little toddler that whatever, you'd miss your mouth and put your toothbrush on your cheek or put 10 times more toothpaste on there than you needed or brush your teeth for five seconds and think that's enough or whatever. And then you got to where you did it in a way that worked so many times that you just do it automatically. Well, we have all sorts of things like that 
in our beings. And many of them don't serve us anymore. And a lot of times when we get caught in an argument with someone else, whether it's a coworker or a friend or a spouse or a lover or whoever, our mother, anybody, it's because it's triggered some sort of pain, discomfort, something that doesn't feel good in the unconscious, but because it's gotten to where we're unconscious about it, we don't realize that that's what it is. So the problem, what we can be aware of, what our conscious mind is aware of is the problem. My mom said something that felt really insulting to me. So I could just deal with that and go back to my mom and tell her she hurt my feelings and whatever. And she probably wouldn't get it because she didn't mean to. And it would just be this round and round conversation that doesn't get us anywhere. Okay. I don't feel better afterwards. She doesn't feel better afterwards. And you can think of many times, I'm sure, in your life with people you're in relationship that that's been the case. But when we use the solve it method, then we can start to get below the surface of whatever that problem is that triggered it so that we can get to some of that stuff that has become such a habit. We don't even think about it when we do it. We have thoughts. Today's episode is all about thoughts. We have thoughts that are habits, and you don't have to plan ahead to think them. You will just think them. So anyone with any sort of anxiety, that's what that's all about, is that you have these habitual thoughts that will come to you before you even have the awareness of it to, let's call it, choose the thought. Okay, so if you have a repetitive thought that you're not good enough, that things just don't work out for you, that there's never enough money, that you're not lovable, that you're not going to find love, that all the good men, women, fill in the blank are gone, taken, you know, whatever. And there are there aren't enough job opportunities out there, like whatever the thought is that you've had over and over, it started many years ago, probably when you were a child. And even though, of course, as a child, you probably weren't thinking there are no great jobs out there. There's some sort of diminishing thought about you just don't get what you want, you know, some version of that, that as you became an adult translated into, so I'm not going to get the job I want. I'm not going to get the partner I want. I'm not going to have the children I want to have or be able to live in the place I want to live. Or, you know, it, tra- it, it translates itself into other specifics as our life changes. But it started as this thought as a child that got so repeated. It happened. You felt that way, thought that way so many times that now it's in your subconscious. So now you don't even have to consciously decide, right? Like there are times we analyze something we're like, oh, this to that to that. Oh, it means this. These thoughts aren't going through that kind of a process. They're just suddenly there. You just suddenly have the thought, oh my gosh, this is another sign. I'm not going to get what I want. I'm not lovable. I'm not, things don't work out for me. There's never enough money. You know, they just pop into your head. So that's sort of the difference between the subconscious and the conscious. In the conscious mind, I might think, okay, I didn't get 
turn, I didn't get chosen for this job, right? Like maybe I went to the interview, but I wasn't selected. Okay. What can I learn from that? What, you know, now, even that sort of analytical thought may drive us then to the uncon- then the, the unconscious, the subconscious just kicks in and goes, oh, it's because you're not good enough, you know, or if you're in a healthier state of mind, a more, you know, high vibe uh, sense of self, you might say, oh, okay, well, what, what is it that I want to learn from that? Yeah, I was kind of weak on this question in the interview, or actually, when I once I met with them, it didn't really feel in alignment with them. I don't think I could really work with that person. So it's just as well, okay, let me move on. You know, we can have that kind of analytical thought process. But what we're mainly talking about here today for the purposes of this series is how the thoughts that we have subconsciously that we have thought so many times, they just pop in our head. Look in a mirror. I'm too fat. Look in a mirror, you know, whatever. I hate my butt. I hate my stomach. I hate my whatever the, all the negative body talk that we do, right. That you're not looking at yourself in the mirror, getting out the measuring tape. Hmm, I guess I'm a little bit off of an hourglass figure. Maybe I need to, you know, whatever. It's not that kind of a real conscious process. We're just boom. All of a sudden I'm fat. I'm this, I'm that comes in. So that's how we know that they're unconscious. They're just, they come at us rapid fire and without any like intentional, I wanted to, you know, ponder this. I wanted to um, be mindful about what my body image is or whatever. When it comes that way, it feels completely different. It's like, oh, I notice I have a lot of thoughts that are negative about my body. I notice that here's what comes up. So this is where I like to move clients. This is where, you know, and don't be too hard on yourself for what you should be able to get out of a podcast. Like I love podcasting and I love, you know, when you guys email me and tell me the value you get out of it. I had somebody email me and tell me it was like, I threw them a life raft. I mean, there's nothing that gets any better than that. So podcasts are awesome. I love doing it. I love you receiving them. And there's a limit to what one can do in a podcast. So I want you to hear what I'm talking about. Pick a situation in your life that you can kind of use it, you know, like as a example of, oh, you know, so you can kind of follow through what I'm talking about with you and know that you can't just take these things that have been habituated in your subconscious, listen to a podcast and you stop doing that. Okay. That's what coaching is for, Um, you know, bigger ways of unpacking it like a digital program, which I will be doing uh, for this solve it method. By the time you hear this, it may already be out. So check, always check my website. Even if the show notes get a little outdated, if you go to my website, if the program is out, uh, you'll, you know, you'll see it there or it will be coming soon because I'm going to definitely create a digital program for this that will include some live sessions with me so that we can unpack this further. So for today, just be thinking about the sort of concept of the teaching I'm giving you and then an example in your own life that you can kind of layer it over and see how it works, all right? Because when we're working with these habituated thoughts, the first piece is 
to have the awareness of them and be able to get to that place of noticing them, not judging them. Okay. So usually when those come up, any kind of self-diminishing, judgmental, critical thoughts come up, not only are they judgmental and critical, we will then usually turn to judgment, criticism, shame about them, right? We just kind of like put it on steroids and I'm not good enough becomes, yeah, and you never were. And let me think of all these 10 things that I failed at in my life. And it's just more evidence and, you know, and the, and the shame spiral begins, So what we want to start with is a noticing. And sometimes the easiest way to notice is not when you're in the thick of it, but if you can look back at a situation, you know, today, earlier today or yesterday or something that's fresh for you, when you got really triggered into an anxiety or some kind of self-critical, you know, kind of downward spiral, you know, your coworker was obnoxious to you and, you know, it maybe started with you thinking about, what a jerk they are. And then it turned to sort of a, what's wrong with me? Why does this always happen to me? Why don't people like me? Why don't I fit in? What, you know, it usually will turn inward on us. And so, you know, just think of your own example there and how that's turning in and notice that that thought of I'm not good enough, or I don't ever fit in or whatever it is, is something you have thought many, many, many times. And one of the things I like to do with people when I'm working with them one-on-one, I do this all the time. I do it a lot of times when I'm teaching this in workshops and various things is to go back to the first time you can remember thinking that thought, having that feeling of dismissal, diminishment, whatever it is, judgment, And our next session is going to be on feelings. So stay tuned for that one. Um, But our next podcast is on feelings. But the thing about thoughts and feelings is they are, they're totally kissing cousins. Okay. They are always right next to each other. And it's usually very hard to even figure out which came first, the feeling or the thought. And it frankly doesn't really matter because in the solve it method, we work with both of them. When I'm coaching people, I'm always working with both of them because you can't really compartmentalize them. Sometimes a feeling will trigger a thought. Sometimes a thought will trigger a feeling and either way, the same thing results. Okay. So think of your situation and just Try to now today, because you're not in it, notice what that thought was. And then when was the first time I remember feeling it? You might have been very young. You may, I I just said feeling, right? Freudian slip, thinking it. (laughs) But again, it's going to produce a feeling of diminishment or shame or something. Uh, But focusing on the thought, if you can remember the first time you thought it, now it may not be a super specific memory, like, oh, my teacher, you know, said this, my mom said this, my dad said this, my grandma said this, you know, whatever. But usually there is some primary person in our lives, whether that's a school teacher, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a parent, a grandparent, you know, somebody that as a child feels like an authority figure is an authority figure for us. And they say something and it triggers that thought in us as a child that we're not good enough. We're not smart. I mean, I had that one for until I was in my late thirties, I believed I was not smart, just like not intelligent. Okay. 
I don't even know where that came from. So this is my point. You may have a specific memory of that being, you know, what triggered that for you when you were a kid, or it may just be the kind of thing of actually, I don't even know where this came from, but for as long as I can remember, I have thought I, I wasn't a smart person. I didn't take my SATs in high school because I didn't think I was smart enough to get a score that wouldn't be totally humiliating to me. So I just didn't do it, you know? So it could be something that you just have always felt that way, but I, so that's fine. I just want you to notice yourself at the youngest age that you can remember thinking this thought, even though literally when you were a little child, if it happened when you were really young, you might not have put those same words, you know, it it, it might not have come out in those same words. That's okay. Don't worry if you can't remember that. Uh, But it's, but you're going to know, you're going to connect to, oh my gosh, either for as long as I can think or somewhere around second or third grade. I just know I got this idea that, you know, I'm not smart. I'm not creative. i I screw everything up. I don't finish things. I start, I, you know, am not good enough. I'm not lovable, whatever it is. And realize that you've got this little child inside of you that has that thought. And I want you to be able to just meet that child in you with love and compassion or whatever age you are. It could be that the thought came much later, but for most of us, It happens in our childhood long before we're teenagers that these, especially the ones that just repeat over and over and really often the ones that cause just prolonged states of anxiety that started more than likely when you were very little could be even before you were born because we're impacted by our mother's environment when we're in the womb It might not have happened until you were a teenager or whatever, but I just want you to find it. I just want you to feel into that part of you from as far back as you can remember it happening and just connect with that person. And like the loving parent you might have wished you had in that moment that either wasn't there because you didn't have it at all or wasn't, you know, able to show up that way in that moment, or never even knew maybe that you had that thought that this thing happened, that you can just love that part of you, love that child within you that is having that thought that's so dismissive and so shaming and so destructive, really, like all those thoughts of not being good enough, of being selfish. And so you need to think of others first or all all those things that come to us when we're little, they're very destructive in our lives. They don't actually serve us because when we don't have them to go to like the other opposite extreme, when I'm not having the thought that I'm not smart, not good enough, that doing things for myself or following my own desires is selfish or that it's not possible for me. When I don't have those, and instead I can start to cultivate the opposite of it. You know what? It is possible to me. I am lovable. I am good enough. I have everything I need to do whatever it is I desire. 
And part of what I have may be the awareness that I need to go get some training or I need to engage another person or a team of people or whatever, right? Doesn't mean we're islands and we live in some sort of solitary isolation. But when we're in the place of good enough, when we're in the place of our wholeness and our worth, we know we have the resources either in and of ourselves or to go find the resource that will serve us to make this thing happen in our lives, whatever that is, you know. So that's why the solve it method is not a linear process. That's why these things bounce back and forth across to each other and, you know, up and down, round and round, because it could be when I really examine that thought of I'm not enough and begin to move to, you know, I honor and love that little girl part of me that felt that way. Because when it happens, when we're young, and we incorporate, we end up habituating this thought and feeling pattern, it was really there to benefit us. It was really there to help make our lives a little easier and a little safer, even though that eventually it turns out to be, you know, harmful to us, destructive to us, the thorn in our side. But initially, there's no, there's nothing I've ever found in my own life, no matter how awful, or with other clients, that didn't have initially an, a benevolent intent. Because if you're in a family that can't handle your awesomeness, then to believe you're not enough and just like dim your light all the time is a really helpful thing. Because if not, your family might be more aggressive, more shaming, more diminishing, you know, like whatever, because of their own issues. Okay. So there's always a way it served us when it started. And then there's the way that as we get older, it stops serving us and in fact starts being harmful and limiting to us. And so to be able to take it and notice the thought, not judge it, notice it, I'm being the witness, I'm noticing it, and then say, hmm, you know what, I have this thought a lot. So let me go back. When was really the first time I remember thinking this thought? Oh my gosh, like I, you know, maybe again, you might remember a specific thing that happened, or it's just, I've just always felt this. I really can't remember not feeling this. Okay, let me love that part of myself. Let me just love her and give her compassion and allow, let her know that she doesn't have to keep holding on to that, that, that we are in a different place now. I'm a grown ass woman with lots of other resources and lots of other wisdom that I've gained over the years and that I have access to. And so let's use that to create something that is actually the opposite. So what is the opposite of I'm not good enough? I'm absolutely good enough. I have all the resources I need, you know, like play around with those phrases that are the opposite. Anything's possible. I live in a universe with infinite possibilities. I have people around me who love me and will support me. You know, any number of things that you can think of that are the opposite of that thought that you can start to cultivate as truth, not as, you know, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy. When your thoughts are constantly saying, I'm poor, I'm poor, I'm poor, that doesn't work. So the bullshit method, <laughs> this is why so often affirmations don't work because we skip these other steps, right? So we might have the thought, we realize we have the thought, 
that I'm poor, I'm poor, I'm poor. I feel poor all the time. I think poor thoughts all the time. Okay, so let me go to, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy. But we haven't done any of the sort of homework of, but wait a minute, where does that come from? What are my mess, money messages coming from? When does the When is the first time I remember feeling I'm poor? And, we're, and now let me love on that part of myself, right? To start to heal that part of myself. And now where can I get to a point where I like legitimately can see that wealth is all around me? I've had other times in my life maybe where I had money or where I was at least more comfortable, sort of had my needs met. You know, how can I start to up level in a, in a real way? We got to make sure that this is real. These opposite thoughts, we can find the evidence. Somebody else has done it. Somebody else who's got my same kind of circumstances or worse circumstances has become wealthy. Okay. You, there's plenty of stories, rags to riches, literally. You can always find evidence for your mind. When we get into these opposite thoughts from the diminishing ones, we have to go start finding evidence in our own lives and or in the lives of others so that our mind can prove your mind always wants to be right. So as soon as you have the I'm poor thought, your mind will give you a hundred examples without you spending any time thinking about it that will just pop into your head of the time you your credit card got declined or you couldn't buy the car you wanted because you couldn't afford it or you got denied you know a mortgage or to rent an apartment whatever okay you had to borrow money from somebody to make ends meet your mind will give you without any prompting 20 examples if you're lucky probably more that will prove in you know to your mind that that thought that you're poor is true. I have a lot of experience with this one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And so if you just try to flip right up to I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, abundant, it won't work. We got to heal that part, that little for me girl part where I was just told we never had enough money. I couldn't go be a brownie because we couldn't afford 25 cents in dues and that kind of thing. You know, I never got to take tap dance lessons because we couldn't afford it. Like I've just been told my whole life, we can't afford it. There's not enough money. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. So I got to go back to that part and love her and heal her and let her know that's actually not the only story. The, The adult part of me is now creating a new story where abundance is real where there are people who had it much worse off than I do who have become wealthy, where, you know, these things are really possible. I've got to start putting in the evidence because the mind only wants to be right. And when you start giving it enough evidence about the availability of abundance, regardless of circumstances, that we are all creators, just like the divine is, we can create from nothing. We are made in the image and likeness of the divine, we have the qualities of the very source that created everything from nothing. And so I don't need a certain set of circumstances to create. I am one with the divine. I have the same qualities of the divine. I can make something out of nothing. That's what every inventor, every new idea has done, right? They made something out of nothing. And that is who you are. You give your mind enough of that evidence, you know, read the books about it, watch the videos on YouTube about it, watch the movies about it, whatever, you know. So besides your own thoughts, your own experiences and add to that, because then if something pops up, 
like this happens for me all the time now. Cause you know, my mom is still my mom and uh, she still thinks we're all going to run out of money pretty soon and money doesn't grow on trees and we're never going to have enough money to do the things we really want to do. And so, but now when she says those things to me, I don't, there's no part of me that believes it. And I don't have to go get in an argument with her about it. And I don't need to correct her views about it. Sometimes I will share an abundant thought with her or why I don't have that same belief system. But a lot of times I don't because as a reformed people pleaser, it's not my job to get her to change her thoughts about abundance. That's hers. She can do that if she wants. That's her business. It is mine to do mine. And so I know now, because when she says that, I will just, my mind will automatically go to sort of all the reasons that that's not true. And I'll think of all these abundant things I've had in my life of all the other people I know who've created abundance out of nothing, you know, da, 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 da. And my mind will just dismiss her diminishing comment. So that's kind of for today, that's enough. That's a lot. Um, if you can kind of use those three steps, let's call it four, of noticing the thought, finding that part of you that first started thinking that thought and love them, and then go to the adult part of you and get not just the opposite thought, but the evidence to prove that opposite thought is true. And focus your attention on that. And anytime that feeling gets triggered, go right back through it. Oh my gosh, there's that little girl part of me that was so afraid of being poor and felt so poor. And honey, I just want you to know I love you. And you know what? Abundance is actually more true than all those thoughts about being poor. And here's why, you know, and I'll think, and I'll just run through my own proof that abundance is more true than all those poor thoughts that got implanted in me when I was little. And when you go through that cycle, because you see, those are the things, these thoughts are what short circuit or sabotage the action. They are what leads to the feelings that continues and deepens into depression, even um, the negative, you know, feelings that keep us from taking action that take us away from the desire. Okay, so these this is central to sort of understanding when we get thrown off, when we get out of alignment, what is it about? If our thoughts, if we're not taking action, okay, let, I'll use the example of weight loss because this is easy for me, just so you can get a holistic picture of these each of these four steps and how they sort of each inform each other. So let's say I, I told myself I wanted to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to start going to the gym three days a week. And I do that for three weeks. And then I kind of quit doing it. So I look at the action. I bring it to the solve it method. And I say, okay, well, I, I'm not going to the gym. Like I said, I was going to. So what's that about? What are my thoughts? What are my thoughts and my feelings about going to the gym? Oh, well, I just keep getting busy. I don't really want to. Like I just have these thoughts of just you know, like distraction. And I think of a million other things I'd rather do and whatever, but it doesn't really feel, there's not a lot of negativity. There's not shame. I'm not like browbeating myself for my body or whatever. It's just like, I don't want to, it's just basically, I don't want to do that. Oh, now let me go back to the desire. I want to lose 20 pounds. Oh, maybe that's the piece that's actually out of whack. 
Because when we're not taking action and the desire is intact, the thoughts and feelings will show us where they're sabotaging us. You're never going to be good at that. It'll never work anyway. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, that can sabotage your gym activity too. But if you come to those thoughts and they're kind of, they might be a no, but it feels kind of clean, right? There's not shame. There's not criticism or judgment. It's just like, "Mm, I just don't really feel like doing that. Then I got to go back to the desire and say, wait a minute, is this really something I want? And look at that and go, you know what? Actually, I don't. I don't care about losing 20 pounds. I'm fine with my body the way it is. Maybe I'll decide that's important enough to me later. And then we can let it go. And it it allows us to escape from this constant cycle that we get in of browbeating ourselves, maybe for something that we don't even want to do anymore, we need to just let go of. So that's why this solve it method is such a powerful piece in healing ourselves, and then leveling up to the alignment that's possible, which allows us to be in that place really of flow and joy and confidence because we know we're doing what we want to do and our thoughts are supporting that and our feelings are supporting that. And it's the most fabulous thing in the world. And that's where that's liberation, right? That's where true freedom is. And so that's why I want you to be able to get there. So thank you for joining me for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Be sure and listen. The show notes will have the other episodes in this series. I started, it's a five-part series because I started with one um, that kind of lays the stage or a foundation for problems and not feeling like you're being seen and heard, and then drives you into these the solve it method for the solution. Um, So the show notes for each episode will have the other episodes in it. Uh, And then, like I said, I will have the program, which might be in the show notes if I've already created it by the time this this episode airs, or you're going to find it on my website at brendaflorida.com, which is also in the show notes. So love you. Thank you. Let me know how this process works for you. And I will see you in the next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm Brenda Florida, Certified Life Coach, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I've got something a little special in the show notes for you today. It's my most popular download, the three-step guide to being seen and heard. This guide is going to help you in any relationship where you feel like you're not being seen and heard. It doesn't matter whether it's your lover or your boss or your mother, this thing works. So go get that for yourself. I also have the link to my private Facebook group, Liberate Your People Pleaser. If you're not already a member, you're going to want to join that right away. I post in there every day. You're going to find a like-minded community. And every Wednesday, I do a Facebook Live that's really fun called Cocktails and Coaching. And you'll want to join us for that as well. Last but not least, you would make my day (laughs) if you put a photo, just take a little screenshot of maybe your favorite episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser and post it on social media and tag me. I love to hear about the episodes that mean the most to listeners. So thank you in advance for posting on social media and tagging me in that. So I will see you in the next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser.